Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie, and I'm here to give you an honest, real, and even funny outlook on living with cancer. There is no one way to do cancer, and I've decided to share my story to help and inspire others, as well as raise awareness. At age 43, I was diagnosed with a rare type of thyroid cancer known as hobnail in February 2022, having never had any health issues previously. I was fit and well and took pretty good care of myself. But despite that, I got a diagnosis and I am on a long-term treatment plan. On this podcast, I will be sharing my progress regularly. And I often speak to amazing guests who've been impacted by cancer in some way. I really hope you enjoy listening. And if you do, then please rate, review, follow and recommend the pod. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Talking With Cancer. I have a lovely guest for you today, a really, really wonderful woman who is in many ways angelic. I kind of feel like there is something incredibly guardian angel-like about Dame Laura Lee, who I speak to today, not least because her background is in nursing. She was an oncology nurse, and one of her patients, who was a friend of hers, was a woman called Maggie Keswick-Jenks. Sadly, she died in 1995, but Laura was her nurse, and basically Maggie had a vision And she wanted people who were living with cancer to go into a centre like Maggie's and feel better when they came out. She felt that, you know, hospitals are supposed to be there to do that. But in reality, you often come out feeling worse after an appointment or after a procedure. So she felt that it was really, really important to come up with a space and an environment is designed in a way that offers people a sense of feeling well, feeling hopeful. I think that's a big part of it and feeling supported. You know, wow, what an amazing, amazing achievement in the last sort of 25 or 26 years since the first Maggie's opened. There are now 25 around the UK and there are some centres abroad. So if you are listening to this, one of my listeners from outside of the UK, then bear in mind, like if you are in the healthcare profession or connected in some way and are interested in opening a centre like Maggie's in your area, then you can reach out to Maggie's because they are really open to speaking to people who have ideas and who want to set up their own centres. Most of the centres are attached to hospitals. That's kind of how they've come about. But I don't think every single one of them are. I don't think you have to be a hospital to want to open a Maggie's. I talk about Maggie's a lot in this podcast because they're one of the charities that I support. And the reason I want to raise money for Maggie's is because I think it's so important to feel as a cancer patient like there's somewhere to go and there's somewhere to be. And that doesn't have to be like doing necessarily even doing all the things that they offer because they have amazing timetables of different things that you can do. But even just to go, you can talk to someone if you're having any concerns, they've got 
brilliant staff on site. A lot of them are trained as counsellors. A lot of them are trained to help with financial issues, which is, you know, one of the big things that they offer support in, which I think is fantastic. They just understand the needs of cancer patients, but also anyone impacted by cancer. So you could be caring for someone with cancer. You may have a friend who's going through cancer. You may have a loved one who's sadly died from cancer. Any way in which you could be impacted by cancer, you can go along to Maggie's and you can speak to someone. You can just hang out there. You can do one of the many things that they offer. So they do yoga and exercise. They do mindfulness. They do different workshops like nutrition workshops, makeup workshops, wig workshops. They do loads of brilliant things. And um, they're a charity. You know, and so I think that they've helped me, definitely. I've found a lovely community at the Maggie's in Royal Free, which is near to where I live, and have been doing a lot of the Nordic walking every week. I haven't been for quite a while, actually, but I found that a really lovely thing to do. And so, you know, I know how impactful they are on my life, and... I know that they are helping a lot of people. So I think that they are a really great charity to support. And if you want to donate some money to Maggie's through my fundraising page, I'm on Just Giving as the Talking With Cancer Fund. And I've actually split my fundraising. So I also raise money for the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity, specifically their Thyroid Cancer Research Centre. So yeah, if you go on to the Just Giving Talking With Cancer Fund, you can find my page there. Anything that you can give, anything that you can donate is hugely, hugely appreciated. So yeah, I think that it was just wonderful to talk to Dame Laura Lee today. I think she... She gets it. She really, really understands the needs of people affected by cancer and that it's complex. You know, there's so much that you go through and experience when you have a cancer diagnosis. And it's not all physical. Like there's so much emotional that's going on, so much mental health stuff that you experience. And Maggie's is definitely a great place to go to offload a lot of that, really, and to share a lot of that. And I really believe, hence the podcast, that when you talk about things that are troubling you, things that you're afraid of, bringing those things to the surface, it always helps. It just always helps to offload and to feel better for voicing what your concerns are and what you're feeling and being heard You know, that's a huge part of it, to be heard and understood and supported. So I really, really encourage anyone listening who's impacted by cancer to check out Maggie's in your area. And like I say, if you don't have one, maybe you want to start one. And I really hope you enjoy this interview. Thank you for being here, Laura. Dame Laura Lee. Thank you, Katie. It's really lovely for you to invite me to come and talk with you. I've been following you and the conversations that you've been having about cancer. So it was for me a real honour and pleasure to meet you in person. Oh, that's lovely. And and Maggie's is, yeah, it's a great place. You know, there's something interesting for me. It's sort of like there's a great comfort in just knowing it's there. I've done quite a few 
things with Maggie's. I did the art therapy course. In fact, I framed one of the pieces that I did. Oh. And when I went to the framers to get it framed, they said, oh, we'll give you a discount because you're an artist. I was like, oh, <laughs> great. I'm an artist now. And obviously the Nordic walking, which I talk about a lot, which is wonderful, great way to kind of get out and meet other people, be in nature. And obviously Carolyn, who takes that, is wonderful, isn't she? Yeah, she's great. Yeah, again, I think what you'll have seen about coming at Maggie's is there's no, there are different things that are helpful for different folks, but also at different times because cancer's not static, is it, in terms of you need one thing to help you through the ups and downs of treatment and how your life is interrupted or affected by, by cancer and its treatment. Mm, you must see all those different stages. We were just talking about my guest the other week, it would have been the other week, Raz, who, you know, some may see it as a controversial statement, said that cancer saved his life. And we were just talking about different experiences at different stages. And I guess that retrospective view when you've come through the other side. Yeah. Do those kind of people come to the centre as well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Katie, we often hear people say to us, Maggie's saved our lives and of course someone who is a cancer nurse by background we know that it is oncologist and it's the medical clinical treatment that you're going through that's the bit that is really destroying the and getting rid of the cancer and keeping people physically alive but I think what we know is that cancer impacts our mental and emotional our sense of identity um, health so in that kind of who we are as a person Whereas the kind of cancer treatments are kind of focused on a bit of the body or a bit of our kind of biochemistry, which isn't really our personality or our personage. So I think that's where, you know, in a way, what Maggie's is about is making sure that people recognise that cancer challenges that side of you as well. And that it's okay to have help and support in that side in the way that you're accepting help and support for the actual if you like, the physical manifestation of the cancer. I think that's really important because, you know, you can have a great medical team, but, you know, they have got a lot of patients that they're seeing. And as much as very often they want to give that sort of additional support, they can't, they can't possibly. So you have to look after your mental health and the fact that Maggie's is able to do that. Because you have counsellors, a lot of trained counsellors on the sites, don't you? Yeah. The team makeup of our centres are, we've got some cancer support specialists who are either cancer nurses or therapeutic radiographers by background. We've got some folks who are benefits and debt advisors. And um, so again, helping with you know big impact of cancer in terms of it's expensive to manage the increased costs that a cancer diagnosis bring. And also sometimes the income loss that people are suffering. So it's two things are happening. And then, yes, the clinical psychologists that work in our centres who can help people look at those big, massive existential challenges that come, but also sometimes those small, simple strategies for dealing with not being able to sleep well at night, the anxiety that sometimes can interrupt being able to find a way of living with the uncertainty that cancer diagnosis brings. So it's a sort of spectrum of those professionals working together with a person that means that if you like, we can flex with whatever issue is more dominant for people at a time. And, you know, we're complex human beings. We usually have two or three things going on at the same time. And that's the team within the centre, I think, can generally find some way of helping people with whatever the issues are. And, and as you've visited and used a Maggie Centre, of course, it's 
is wrapped up in that building and that environment, which again is hard to articulate, but people do tell us that the space offers up a sense of hope and a bit of moment. It's a combination of the building is also doing a job of work in helping those who come and visit us. But that's the kind of the very core essence of the idea behind the Maggie's Centre, isn't it? That, you know, to be in a beautiful environment is important. It's an important yeah. part of the experience when you're going for support because the hospitals are so clinical. You know, let's face it, often not exactly like a great space to have you hanging out in. Yeah, yeah can you just talk a bit about that? Like yeah. Design yeah. and environment, why that's important and how you see that impact? Yeah. You know, it was interesting because Maggie herself, who had a, a breast cancer diagnosis, you know, some 30 years ago now, one of the things that she talked about, you know, it should be yippee, it's my day at the hospital. You know, it's an opportunity to go and see my oncologist get some of my worries and concerns answered and that we should leave the hospital feeling better than when we arrived. And we all know that we usually don't because it's anxiety making the hospital visits, the clinical environment, the stress of not knowing quite what's happening to you or of what might be revealed. In a way, that's where our building and then what goes on inside it is has to sort of just sit counter to that so that if you've been in the hospital and then you come over to Maggie's, then you're leaving feeling better because you've actually had a moment of restoration that can come from looking on nature, sitting, having a, a cup of tea, which you haven't had to queue at the hospital Costa and pay £4.20 for. And also perhaps have a conversation with someone who's got a bit of time and no agenda of stuff that they've got to say to you and do to you. And I think that's what... Maggie kind of identified the role of the environment could play, but that working alongside in partnership with the hospital and the clinical, because that's the reality of what you know, you've described, what you're facing and having to deal with. So it's that partnership piece, I think, is why our building and work so complements and works in a united way with, if you like, what's going on in the hospital. Right. So that was something, again, we talked about when we met. So so the work that you do in deciding like where and when to open a Maggie's is often alongside the hospital, isn't it? So you work in collaboration, is that right? Yeah, I mean, normally it's because you talked about health professional team, your team, you know, they care about you. They want to make the experience that you're going through as better. And so usually it's an oncologist or a clinical team from a cancer centre that have come and approached us and said, would you think about a Maggie Centre for our hospital and our cancer centre and for our patients? That's a really positive kind of story. And then we know that most people come to us because their doctor and nurse suggest that Maggie's may be helpful to them. But then also in the counterpoint of having our own building and our own front door means that when treatment comes to an end and people are left living with often the late effects and long-term effects that sometimes they may have had a curative treatment, but then the impact on body image, altered lifestyle as a result of their surgery or treatment means that Maggie's by having its own atmosphere and building is a place where people can come to, to talk through those challenges when they've almost in effect been discharged from the hospital because they've done their job, but the job of getting back on and living and getting back to a life that is fulfilling, even if it's different from before, it is, is also where Maggie sits. So I think 
we're kind of in both spaces if you like mm. um, and then of course sometimes cancer comes back and then you know we're there be alongside people whilst they're back interacting with the hospital and the clinical world again but also you're very much there for people who may be going through cancer because their partner or their yeah. mother or their child or is going through it so you don't actually have to have cancer or have had no. cancer to come to Maggie's which I yeah. think is wonderful as well well, family and friends are going through as much, but it's something different. Again, you'll know from your hospital life, the hospital's focused on you. You're the patient. And actually the family members are, you know, they're not inconsiderate of them, but they are on the side. And that often can leave the family members feeling scared and frightened or they've not got something that they can do to be helpful. They're worrying because they're not in it in the way that you sometimes are because and also because of covid family members now often can't even join people to sit while they're having their chemotherapy etc so it's very lonely and isolating experience for family members too and so and they want to help the person that they love the most so again maggie's being there for them to talk about their fears and worries is important and we know people get the best outcomes if everyone is working on the same page and everyone is is supported so if you like looking after the friends and family benefits person with cancer mm. um, and the other way around yeah, and the royal free is, is actually there's a new building being built yes, which is, is yeah. hopefully opening in the autumn shall we say yep. but you've done a very good job of making the current situation feel nice because it is in the hospital and I remember when I first went there and I told my husband I said it's a you know it's really lovely you can come and you can have a cup of tea and you can hang out and he was like could I go there with my laptop would it be like a co-working space <laughs> Because he's always looking for co-working spaces because yeah. his head office is in Europe. So um, I was like, yeah, why not? I guess he could. And that's, and that's stressful. You know, the family member's trying to keep the show on the road, keep the income coming in, and yet wants to be alongside what's going on. And I think often, it's very simple, isn't it? Often our heads go somewhere with the worries and concerns that can come with a cancer diagnosis. And then we just don't talk to each other about them because of fear of, worrying that the outcome could be bad when I need to be hopeful that everything's going to be good and the other partner's having the exact same talk about that because I don't want to worry my um my partner or husband or wife and actually when both just reveal that they're both having the same fears and hopes then everyone's back on the same page again so you know what Maggie's does if you like it's sort of simple but when you get a life-threatening diagnosis and pretty horrible treatment thrown at you it just disturbs all of those normal communication pathways and strategies for dealing with stressful and difficult times I love how you you refer to it as simple when you've spent 25 years <laughs> running Maggie's centres and you've set up 25 centres in that time is that right yep that's right yep and so can hopefully we go... in the next five years we'll do another we've got seven we're working on there's but, nothing uh, simple about that Laura <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying the concept is simple right like yeah be in a nice environment a good environment which is aesthetically pleasing and beautiful and that's already going to make you feel better that's already going to help to get you to a place where you can do yeah. other things and talk to other people to feel even better so I I get what you're saying but 
I think one of the things, Katie, often people, what goes on in a Maggie's? You'll know this. You don't come into Maggie's and here's the Maggie's program of care and support and you're, you're funneled through it. And so if you like, the non-simple bit is working with each person bespokely. I mean, yes, we've got some things that we know are helpful and, and work, but it's thinking about what's right and what's needed at the right time. I hope it's the personal nature of how Maggie's works with people and the bespokeness and the capacity to shift as changes are occurring for people is what makes Maggie's um, helpful. So that's a complex bit, if you like. Yeah, it's definitely because there's no one size fits all. And as I've come to learn, you know, I was desperately looking for other me's at the beginning and I couldn't find other me's. And I thought that's because my case is so unusual. And But actually everyone's experience and diagnosis is different and treatment different because everybody is different so no matter how sort of unusual your diagnosis might seem you know you're going to find loads of unusual well we have this big label don't we cancer but there's so much underneath that um variety of cancers and then there's variety and then the specifics within that and then there's us as people you know and our personalities and our situations yeah yeah i remember speaking to Robin as well about my husband saying, you know, I think he could really do with some support because I think it's important for him to talk to other spouses going through it. And funnily enough, the other week I talked about how he and I are having couple therapy through the hospital. And I got a response from a listener to say, that sounds like a really good idea. And she said, I'm going to speak to Maggie's about that because she said, you know, me and my husband are struggling at the moment. And it's, it is, it's like you say, there's a lot, you feel but you might not want to share with the other person but actually it's always better to in my experience absolutely and I think the talking bit we as a society put um you know we're psychologically unwell and and therefore you're going into talking therapies or you've got mental health issues and you're going to talking therapies and somehow we've ended up medicalizing that and so therefore it can feel like a failure to need or take as opposed to the opposite where it's the smart thing to do (laughs) to get ahead of and also again the quicker and easier you do it the less you need expert support alongside you because you're not allowing things to build up or you know what a lot of us do is we stick the lid on our feelings until they just blast off and we can't Mm. cope anymore it's funny because I think I feel so open sharing the fact that he and I see a, a <laughs> yeah. cancer therapist. That is her s- sort of specialism. <laughs> and I wonder if it was just that we were having, you know, marital problems or not. You don't even need marital problems to go through marriage therapy. Yeah. Would I be as open to sharing it? But I kind of share it and I go, yeah, we're in it because, you know, but definitely it really helps because there's always going to be stuff and challenges and it's just a space to know okay we've got this hour we've got someone to facilitate what we're feeling and to help us share those feelings and very often it's not like here's a solution to these things it's just like okay now we understand each other yeah that's all it is you know so it's hugely helpful and I really do recommend it and that's the power of what you're doing with this podcast is by sharing and open you're making something not seem like by doing so that you have got marital problems or that you're failing or not coping. It's, it's the opposite. I hope so. You know, it's that thing of, I think, in terms of what can come along with cancer is feelings of aloneness and isolation, feelings of 
of hopelessness and helplessness because partly you're having to have so much stuff done to you can leave you feeling helpless and and that feeling of just nothing's within your control and again those are kind of head things (laughs) and that's where talking can actually help you just with those kind of really powerfully feelings that can come with a cancer diagnosis just yeah I do still have some control actually there are things to be hopeful about and actually I am not as alone as I think I thought I was and Mm. then how then people can leave as you've just described your session with your husband you leave feeling better (laughs) definitely yeah that's what Meg's about you leave feeling better as a result yeah I know you did a survey not that long ago, maybe earlier this year, was it? Yep. One of the things that came up was that people are more open now to talking about cancer than they used to be. And you you must have yep. seen a huge change in the years because you were previously an oncology nurse, weren't you? That's right, yes. And that's how you met Maggie and this was her vision to start yep. Maggie's, which you went on and did. Why do you think people are more open now? What do you see has changed I think part of it is that survivorship has improved. So people are living longer. And so therefore cancer actually being a disease that, you know, previously you would have quite a short life expectancy for is now something that you can survive and you can live. So I think that has meant that people are able to talk about it and it's taken away the taboo that cancer is a death sentence. And that was a big reason why it couldn't be talked about because then you had to talk about death. And also we know that when cancer does come back for many cancers, that life expectancy, albeit with the challenges of being on and off different treatments, people can, you know, live well and for quite a long time. So I think that trajectory has made a difference. And I think in society, because people have been brave enough to speak up about their experiences, women with breast cancer led the way, but now men with prostate cancer are being so open talking about the impact of their prostate cancer treatment, which you know might be incontinence, might be sexual dysfunction, it may be body image changes as a result of their hormone therapy. And oh my goodness, people are so much better when they realize again that they're not alone going through those side effects because people have been brave enough to speak up. So the more people speak up, the more um, I think it gives people an opportunity to reveal what's going on for them, even if, as you said earlier, what's going on for you is subtly or very different from what's going on for someone else. It just says, actually, I'm not alone. So, yeah, it's been a huge transition. of, um, And I hope that, that, you know, we continue in that pathway. Mm, yeah, and I guess there's also more platforms now that people like yeah. podcasts and social media where you can share, you know, what you're going through yeah. and then find a community through, yeah. through those means. Well, I mean, if you think um, when our first Maggie Centre opened, you know, the internet was a fairly new thing. And I remember Maggie herself was getting articles and research papers on her cancer diagnosis being posted from medical libraries from, you know, New York um, and the British Library. So everything was done by paper and looking up journals and, you know, so the the capacity to understand and learn. um, But then I think coming alongside that means that you need somewhere to then process what you're reading and hearing. And that's why, again, I think this vast array of communication still needs a place to bring some exploration of what does that mean for me in the mix. And again, I hope that, you know, Maggie's plays a part in giving places for people to distill what they're hearing in that bigger, wider social space. 
and you'll have it in friends and family always giving you advice and have you tried this and have you thought of that and it's hard work isn't it kind of thing should I have or you don't know what you know and so again having somewhere where you can kind of feel the love that they're offering um but still process are you making sure that there's no stone unturned for you as a result of rejecting someone's advice yeah that's such an interesting one because I think learning to kind of be boundaried to ask for what you want to tell people what you don't want or don't need yeah. is really important as a cancer patient but then similarly for the loved ones you know it's an interesting learning to kind of think well how am I responding to this is that actually helpful is that more about me or you know is that actually about that person and um yeah that's sort of why I started the podcast in the first place because I just wanted to send it out to friends and families to so they can yeah. stop asking me questions and suggesting you yeah that's literally why I did it <laughs> the tensions that can come home in in a family life where you know, food is a massive social family sharing. And if you've got a view that actually your taste buds are, are gone, you know, you don't feel inclined to eat, but your family member is wanting to feed you up, all of these things can just get compounded. But it can be also very simple to find a pathway where they don't escalate and interfere with the quality of your life. And, mm. and finding quality of life in the midst of this is... It's everything. Yeah. Definitely. And that's what I realized with my medical team, like that's what they're always trying to balance for me. Mm. You said earlier on about one of the kind of support mechanisms that Maggie's provide is like financial. And that was one yeah. of the questions when I first came, that was one of the first questions I got asked. And, you know, I'm in a very fortunate, privileged position that I'm okay financially and I don't need that support. And I remember we talked about the fact that, you know, I don't talk that much on here about the fact that I have a private health insurance. I actually, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of yeah. times and I have that through my husband's work. Again, very fortunate and privileged to have that. And so that's the route I take. It transpires that if you pay for private health care at the Royal Marsden, that money often goes back into the NHS. So I feel good about that. <laughs> so you should. <laughs> but I thought, you know, let's talk about it here. Mm -hmm. Let's be open and honest. And you said, you know, it's really interesting, actually, that subject, because often people feel like, oh, unless they're being treated through the NHS, maybe Maggie's isn't really a place for them to go. And if, you know, they've got a nice home already, why do they need a nice environment to come to? But I thought your take on that's really good. So I wanted you to share yeah, that. Please. I suppose one of the things is the changing landscape of healthcare and cancer care and, and because of COVID, you know, more people are choosing the private healthcare space for various reasons, sometimes to get the diagnosis, sometimes to get started on treatment. And then often people have to move between the two systems because sometimes insurance stops paying out. You know, you may have your own uh, personal insurance but if the cost of the treatment becomes too expensive the insurance premiums go up you can't afford it so the private system can be really stressful to navigate and challenging to navigate and it's a reality that people are getting their cancer in in mixed places often as you said at the marsden those private wards sit within or wings sit within an nhs um, hospital and people are people, you know, whether or not you're being treated privately or whether or not you're being treated on the NHS, you're still a human being with the same emotions and vulnerabilities and worries. 
And people in the private system can be worrying about money too and fearful about their job or talking to their employer and um, what that might mean to promotion. So I'm really passionate that although our buildings are on NHS hospital grounds and a lot of those NHS hospitals have private wings associated with them, is that people realise that we're there to help them whether or not they're in the NHS system or, or privately. We're, we're just interested in helping you know, people with cancer and their family and friends. And also, if you live in the local area and you're a family and friend, but you've got a mother or a father being treated somewhere else in the country, we're still there to help you. You don't have to be a patient. But, you know, navigating the healthcare system is stressful and um, it's full of multiple relationships that you're often performing for or putting your best face forward for. And so I think we should make sure that we don't discriminate between anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. It's funny that there's a, there is that stigma that I feel, you know, like I say, I don't really talk about it that much. I feel it's a privilege and aren't I lucky and I don't need to rub that in. But I also think that there is a bit of a myth about private insurance being unaffordable and outrageously expensive. And I don't always think that's true either so there is also a myth that sometimes your care is better in the private system not in the NHS it's the system. same all my team are the same yeah yeah what matters is actually making sure that you've got the right specialist for your particular cancer and that you've got the right relationship with them um yeah and um that's what's crucial and you can navigate that to get that in the NHS system as well as in the private. And it can go wrong in both systems. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. So you've said seven more centres in the next oh. five years. Is that well, right? we're working on, we're working on. <laughs> well, how? Where are those going to be? So, What's the um, plans so, for Maggie's? Um, hopefully starting um, construction of our centre in Northampton towards the end of this year. And we've got a centre in North Wales in Clan Gluid. I'm sorry, anyone who's Welsh that's listening will know I said that terribly, but I'm Scottish. So Good attempt. Me. Um, so that starts construction at the end of this year too. And then the other centres that we're working on are at different stages. We're just submitting for planning permission for Coventry. And then we've got centres in Bristol, Cambridge and Kent and in Liverpool. So we've got a centre wow. at the Wirral, which is the Catterbridges and now on two sites. So if you're in the Wirral area, we've got Maggie's up there, but we know we need a second centre in the city of Liverpool. Um, wow. You like to have your work cut out, don't you? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully we'll get there. And what if there are health centres like beyond the UK? Because I've got listeners around the world. What's the deal there if you're abroad? We have got some Maggie centres overseas. Um, they run um, financially independently of us, but we talk together as a family and share expertise and skills. And in part because we've got slightly ahead of what we've learnt, it's more us sharing what we're doing. But we know we're also learning from them. So we've got centres in Barcelona and Tokyo and Hong Kong and a centre in Groningen in the Netherlands under construction. But... There are also some brilliant psychosocial support facilities around the world. So it's um, there is support out there. Yeah. But if there are healthcare professionals abroad, they could want get to talk in touch. To us. Absolutely. And yeah. That's great. Yeah. Brilliant. I hope our approach is, you know, it's important that we share 
all of our learnings and experience. And if someone can take something of, of that and do something with it, that's fantastic. We were talking about retreats, weren't we, before I hit record. Would you ever do a Maggie's retreat? Is there a future in that? I think there is, yeah. Um, it has been asked of us. We haven't done it. We've done we've done some just sort of weekend workshop type things, not that kind of overnight bed accommodation piece, but who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Add that to the agenda. <laughs> I think you're going to be our first customer at our Maggie's Retreat, Okay, Katie. I'm up for it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really lovely to speak to you again, but this time yeah. for the pod. Yeah, Pleasure. it's been great. Thank you so much. Anytime. Laura. Thank you. Thank you so much to my guest today, Dame Laura Lee. What a lovely chat. What a lovely woman she is. And thanks, you guys, for listening. If you want to get in touch, let me know any feedback you've got, anything you think about the podcast, anything you like or don't like, or if you'd like to share your story in a voice note and be one of my voices with cancer, just send me an email to hello at talkingwithcancer.com. That's hello at talkingwithcancer.com. Or follow me on Instagram, send me a message. I am on there, talking underscore with cancer. Lots of love, guys, and have a great day. Bye.